Welcome to Better Roads, a podcast with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Everyone has a story to their journey, and God loves to participate in those stories. Join Randall as he explores another Better Roads adventure. Chris Kavan is the digital media manager for Open Bible Churches. In fact, He's the one who, when we do a Better Roads podcast, he's the one that glues it all together at the end and makes sure that we sound okay. But today, Chris, you are the guy on here. No pressure. No. <laughs> no pressure. So it's it's Chris has just been a delight to have him join our staff. I had known Chris just a little bit before he came to serve in our office, but uh, really been a privilege to get to know him since he's become a part of us here. And he's just a, a valuable part of our team. So Chris, I want us to get acquainted with you a little bit and talk about your journey because uh, this podcast, Better Roads, is about the roads that we take. And you and Monet, your wife, uh, have a, a delightful family that includes six children. Tell us a little bit about them and their ages. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, me and my wife, uh, Monet, been married for uh let's see let me get this right a little over 12 years now <laughs> get that right <laughs> and the, yep and in those 12 years we uh yep we have had six kids we've uh my wife and i joke because she was pregnant in every portion of the last 10 years <laughs> so over 10 years she's been pregnant so that's that's been a joke around uh our house and so Did you want to make any announcements today or I, anything no nothing like that we are <laughs> <laughs> There's no big announcement. Yeah, she'd kill me if I said something else. Nope, nothing in the nothing in the future for more kids. Maybe no, not not naturally, but you know, maybe, maybe supernaturally or yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Anyways, but uh, yeah. So our six kids. So so Gibson is is ten years old. He's our firstborn. He is he he was our our easy baby. Whereas you know, after a month or so, he would sleep through the night. He would he was such a well behaved baby. We, we always joked that he tricked us in having more kids because we thought it would be so easy. <laughs> what a beginning. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, that's, it really was. We thought, oh, man, if he's if this is how babies are, let's, let's have let's more babies. <laughs> and so, but yeah, he was an easy, easy, easy baby and easy, really uh, an easy kid in general. He's just super, he's really quiet, introverted, but he's um, very smart and very um, confident. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he gets a little bit of both of me and my wife in him. So he's got the he's got the best of both of us. Which the we best say. of both parts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so that's yep. He's ten years old, and so he's been a blessing. And then, and then, um, Harper Grace, our our second child, nine years old. She uh she totally flipped the script as far as like <laughs> we thought we thought Gibson was easy, but then when she was born, she <laughs> didn't sleep through the night until maybe two or three years old and so like and so and so for those two or three years it's like oh man and in harper she um had a, a bad case of, of eczema um and all these dietary uh oh, yeah. conditions that yeah. that her brother never had and so it was just us learning how to deal with that and, and really coping through that but i mean but she's uh she's still a sassy <laughs> little girl you know she's she's super sassy and um she's she's really like musically gifted and that's the one thing that i that i picked up early on she could hear a song once and just sing it back to you oh that's like, right great. Yes. and so we knew right away it's like okay and so we, we put her in um 
piano lessons, oh, you violin lessons, that. and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. bought her a ukulele last year for her birthday. And so she, she just loves to dabble, you know. And so mm-hmm. it's great, you know, when I'm home with the kids, we have a piano in my in my home office, and I just love like when the kids go back there. And she's it's mostly her. She'd go back there and she just plays for fun, you know, and go through lessons. So I just I love that that noise Beautiful. in our house. So that's Harper Grace. Um, and then our third child is his name is Jude. He's seven years old. Um, the funny thing is that he we joke that he doesn't look like any of his other siblings. Um, even even his uh even um Monet's parents, uh, her dad, my father-in-law, calls him Big Eyes. That's his nickname, Big Eyes, because he just has bigger eyes than the rest of us. And uh and, and uh, he's okay. It never bothered him. He's not like self-conscious about it. But we, it was funny because like one day my wife was home with the kids and a friend came to drop off something. And and uh, she just looked, peeped inside and saw my wife and, the, and her kids. And uh, she saw Jude and she said, oh, whose kid is that? He <laughs> 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 didn't look like the rest of the kids. And so, yeah. But that's the way we joke. And so we always joke, did we bring the right baby home? You know, <laughs> he's ours. He's ours. He's like, he's like a combination of uh, his older brother and sister. So um, he's musically gifted and he's confident, but, but he's not quiet about it. He's very, very vocal about how good he is at things. And just the other day, or just yesterday, actually, uh, we have like a ping pong paddle and a ball and i taught him a few days ago how to like you know bounce the ball up and down and paddle Mm -hmm. and and keep bouncing and seeing how many times he can do it without dropping the ball and he came up to me yesterday daddy i got up to 61 i'm awesome at this he's like this is look how good i am at this yeah he wasn't shy about that he's not confident you said yeah he's very confident and so that's jude and then uh where we at number four yeah here we go so our fourth child simeon he uh He's five years old, and um, uh, I, I think you said it best in one of our conversations that he he is our special assignment. You know, this this is this is Simeon. Um, at the age of two, we could see that he wasn't growing or or developing as quickly as what we were used to with our other kids. You know, we were, we had three before, so we had a you know a little bit of a sure. uh, an idea of how the kids were developing. He wasn't hitting those 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 milestones um, like they were. And so at the age of four, he was, he was formally diagnosed with autism. And so, and it's not, not, a, not a severe case. He, he's, he's very uh, high functioning. So he does a lot of things, but he wasn't speaking as clearly as his, as his and even still now, he doesn't speak very clearly. He speaks in um, his, his, his own way. You know, we've had to learn how to how to how to learn his language. You know, when he yes. when he talks, um, mm. and uh, but but at, at still at a young age, he would we saw him gravitate towards letters, and and words. You know, we had flashcards because we teach our kids at home, and so by the before turning five years old, around four years old, he had already learned like over a hundred sight words, because he would look at these words like all the time. And we tell him what they said. And so by the end of it, he, he we could show him any card and he'd read it. And so he's a very good reader, you know? Yeah. And so it's a very, you know, and I, I know there's people that say, you know, autistic kids have, you know, they're very gifted in very certain areas. 
that's kind of what we're noticing with him. He's just so he's just so honed in and focused on letters yeah. and words. So that's it's been amazing to watch that being developed. Mm. And so and so currently with him, you know, we're we're working and looking at different services and therapies options to help him and help us really, my wife and I, you know, handle this condition that he's been uh, given. Your journey, so, yes. It's been our journey, yeah. A special assignment, like you. That's right. Like you said. All right, all right. We got two more kids here. So we got Ellie. Ellie Ray, she's three years old, and, and uh, she's our tiny warrior. She's very small. She was born at uh, she was born at when she came out. She was about like over five pounds when she came out. Um, but that was full term. Okay, she, she wasn't a premature baby. She was just a, she was just a small baby. Um, but she's got this bubbly personality. Like she just is so spunky, you know, mm-hmm. like her, it, we just, me and my wife, just, me and my, we just love watching her because her facial expressions are so, so hilarious. They're just so funny. She's so expressive. And so she just knows how to make, make us laugh. And so it's, it's, uh, it's amazing to, to watch her go. She's definitely um, gravitates towards me more. So she's very much a daddy's girl, which I, you know, precious. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm all yeah. over it, you know, oh, <laughs> no, yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it. I love it. And so, and our last child is, uh, his name is Fisher, Fisher Henman. His, his middle name is a combination of my dad's name and her, uh, my, my father-in-law's name. So Fisher Henman, he'll be two years old here very soon, actually. And so it, it's just, um, time flies, time flies. So him and him and Ellie are like best friends. Cause they're, they're literally the same size. Mm. It's so funny watching them play together <laughs> because she's, you know, about two years older, like a year and a half older than him, but they're literally the same size. And so it almost, it's almost like twins. <laughs> so <laughs> they play together. Of course they fight together, but man, they, they, they are such a, a good pair for each other. And he's definitely a, a mama's boy. He's super attached to, to my wife. And so we, I get one, she gets one. And so that's uh that's it that's our family uh you know and you it, your family is so delightful and you and monet are both photographers and i always say i've never seen a family all your kids are like trained photographic <laughs> models you know if, if a camera shows up they'll just know how to turn a beam right on cue and, <laughs> yeah. and, pose, and be posed for it everything so uh and they're just a delightful bunch it's, isn't it amazing i never cease to be amazed here the Two parents, the same two people, and look at this variety yeah. in all of these kids. God does a wondrous thing, and in every one of there's something you cherish, you're delighting in discovering. You have a special assignment included there. Just yeah. this this wonderful array that God has blessed you with, the kids and your family. So I I salute you and Monet because your kids are just the sweetest kid. So you don't have to tell me they ever changed from that. I just believe that that's always the way it is. So, oh yeah. They're perfect. All the time. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Well, Chris, here's what we want to talk about today is that's just the foundation for what your, your family situation is, which is a delightful and full, but you've got so many other things going on in your life. You are an open Bible pastor. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit, but um, like many pastors, you wear a lot of hats. We just learned, of course, you're the husband of Monet. You are a dad to six kids. You've also been their homeschool teacher, and we're going to talk about that some more. 
you're the senior pastor of Last Song Open Bible Church. You are a photographer when you can fit that in, mm -hmm. an incredible photographer. And then since last April, you've been serving as our digital media manager for Open Bible Churches. You have so many irons in the fire. How has God prepared you for this season in your life? Yeah, it, it, I do tend to get into more things than, than maybe I should. My wife has always... Um, humbled me saying are you sure you know you're, yes. you're able to do this and you know so she's a good uh person to keep me accountable but no i i feel like the way these things have come about i wasn't i wasn't looking for these positions i wasn't really looking no, for for the for these things um myself actively they just just kind of just came about i i feel like god has definitely prepared me for this season, and honestly, Randall, if this if this would have happened five years ago, I would have been a wreck. It would have been a mess. Um, <laughs> and, and so, really, uh, especially the, the the senior pastor part, that's really been something that I've been trying to to. Um, that's still something I'm trying to walk sure. in and make sure yeah. I'm, I'm walking uh, rightly in. Um, and as far as like this position at the national office, it it, it just felt like a, a natural fit. For me, because it's just something that I was really um, interested in and, and really want and passionate about is you know digital media, photography, videos, and so I feel like I can use. I feel like God has gifted me, you know, in a in a way that I can use all these things, mm -hmm. you know, for the church, for His glory, and so and really, yeah, raising the raising six kids and 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 teaching them, homeschooling them, that definitely helped me be more patient, help me be more organized. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, just taking all of those little things that have really just fell into my lap yep. and yep. making, being faithful in those little things. And that's really what I feel like where I'm at, I'm, I'm at now. Things that fell in your lap and God has a way of putting those things in our lap. So I, yeah. I hear you. And so we want to explore several aspects of those things you talked about, but let's, let's wind back a little bit, first of all, and talk to us a little bit about Life Song Church, because this is a fascinating story. Tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about its roots, who constitutes the congregation today? Um, you know, how does your personal heritage play into the Life Song story? I'd like for people to uh, really appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's, it's really a remarkable story. We just, we just celebrated 25 years uh, last last year of, of ministry at Lifesong Church, and really, um, it was birthed out of the ministry that was happening at First Church of the Open Bible in Des Moines. My parents and her family are refugees from uh, of Laos, but they came here. They were sponsored by churches and you know, to come to the U.S. A, con a little congregation um, formed in the basement of First Church, and uh, my uncle. Uh, Mike Rossivan was uh, an interpreter for uh, for for the speaker, and then just in that uh, capacity, he 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 began to uh, pursue the Lord, and uh, and then a, a dream birthed in him to plant a church. And so in 1996, 1996, that's when he uh, planted Life Song Church. Well, back then, originally. It was called Asian Church of the Open Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, very, very exclusive name. <laughs> and so uh, Asian Church of the Open Bible, you know, he had his his goal, his demographic was to reach out to 
the the other Southeast Asian refugees or you know the Laotian mm-hmm. population here in in town. And so, uh, for the better part of twenty years, that has been um, the goal of that church, the face of that church. And in the midst of that, there was a name change to, to Life Song Church. We wanted to make sure that we didn't just serve Asian people. You know, we don't want to. We want to. We we want to be inclusive and didn't want the name to be a hindrance so anyone who would want to come in so so right now um he has since you know stepped down and uh for the last five years you know we've had you know new leadership including myself we're just still trying to just really just trying to figure out this next chapter of of life song church and so right right now our congregation consists of still um majority of, of Southeast Asian um, people. We, we have, you know, some Anglo-Americans there. We, we, we have some Latinos coming too. And so uh, we're just trying to just cater to the community that mm-hmm. we're in on there on the mm-hmm. east side of Des Moines. So that's, that's where we're yeah. really at right now. Yeah. And, and so you, you are in the process of becoming a multicultural church. It, it, it appears to me, not just because somebody said, let's be a multicultural church. It was, mm-hmm this is where our church is. What is our community and, and who do we want to reach? But that that's filled with all kinds of challenges and making that, that transition to becoming, as you say, more inclusive and not exclusive as a church. So I salute you for that. Mm -hmm. Um, So we should also add that Mike and Dara Rasavan, the, um, founding pastors of the church. And you said they stepped down. Actually, they stepped down to become missionaries. That's right. That's right. And are now open Bible missionaries in uh, Thailand mm-hmm. uh, today. And so kind of coming full circle, going back to Southeast uh, Asia. So uh, that's a fascinating story about Life Song. I just love what God is doing there. Let's talk about the, how this affected you, all these transitions. We, you, you, you know, you talked about things that were sort of dumped in your lap. And I, I know that's a nice way of saying, you just know that God has been working in your life. And you've just embraced the moment, embraced what he's given for you to do. And so <clears throat> there are transitions in life that we don't plan for. There are transitions that just come upon us. In fact, some of them we'd rather avoid if we could. Your former senior pastor at Lifesong, Pastor Kong, is someone we had a conversation with here on mm-hmm. Better Roads several months ago and uh, passed away from cancer in October of 2021. Um, none of us wanted that change. It'd be hard to find a sweeter person uh, than Pastor Kong. And uh, I know she was loved deeply there and uh, I know at her memorial service, which was at First Church, and you officiated that the place was packed mm-hmm. uh, with people. So you'd been serving as an associate with her, and then she passed, and you became the senior pastor. Um, I know you served in many of the areas of the church. You know, you've been you, you're handling youth and everything else. But when senior pastor comes, this is a whole new thing. Right. So. Talk to us a little bit how that transition worked. You and I know you and Pastor Kong had conversed about this. And uh, did you feel you were ready? You know, uh, what what were you doing before? And did you feel apprehensive? Talk to us about all the dynamics of that change. (laughs) Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, it was it was definitely um, a a hard transition, not not in the sense of uh, duties, but just just emotionally. 
hard. Mm-hmm. It, you know, her passing was very much uh, a, a rough, a rough time in our in our church. But but really, she she had told me in the beginning uh, beginning of September of 2021 that she, she, we had a, a private conversation where she she took me after service. She just said, just to let you know. Um, I plan to step down as pastor of the church uh, immediate, effective immediately. You know, my cantor has come back and, you know, I just want to spend more time with my family and, and, and to, to fighting this, this disease. And so, you know, when she told me that, that was, that was really when I was shocked. I was like, Whoa, it, it, it kind of made it more like, okay, this is, this is really happening, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And so it was it was very much that in that in that next month or so I just I just went to God and I just prayed God pray I, I'm I'm this is this is your plan and I'm I'm doing this in your will if this is something that that you want me to pursue and so I kind of just like just stayed faithful in that and then and then yeah at the end of October is when she when she when she passed and and, and then really when her funeral service came and and, and the, the family asked me to officiate and. You know that was that was probably the hardest things I ever I've ever done in my life, and even now just thinking about it just kind of just takes me back. But I think it was at that moment where it's like, man, I have a lot, some big shoes to fill. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you know, because you you were there, you were there at the, at the service, you were present. But you just see the amount of people oh, yes. that were there. That the whole room was yes. packed. And I'm just thinking, man, this this one person was able to touch all these lives and i'm looking at myself like what what do i got to show <laughs> you know like no yeah. pressure you know oh lord <laughs> you know like and now that now that now i'm like in front of them speaking and i'm trying to hold it all together but at the same time trying to honor honor um, pastor kong and so really the vote of confidence came when um, a month earlier we had uh bruce fodenauer come out and conduct uh you know the the official business meeting of of me being voted in to being pastor so you know that the church has has to decide if they want me or not as a senior pastor and so you know everyone they passed out the ballots at this after service and you know they it came back and counted all the all the votes and it came back a hundred percent yes for me to take over and so you know i took that very humbly i was like wow a hundred percent. All right. You know, so it just made me feel like, okay, this church is behind me as far as like, you know, it's with me behind me and, and they want me. Right. And so, and so I tried to just, all right, all right, God, I think I, I don't, I'm, and you say, you asked me, did I feel ready? I don't think I'm ever ready for it, but I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say yes. Mm, <laughs> you know, right. I'm just, I'm just going to say yes. That's right. As long as I'm able, I don't want to get to a point where I feel like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Cause then I don't want to mm-hmm. lean on my, my own strength or my own knowledge. It's good. Chris. I, I always want to be in that, in, in that space where it's like, okay, God, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know that you're with me. And so I need your help. Right. That's and right. so that's, that's, that's right. I feel like that's where I need to be. So it's a good spot to be. Yeah. Hey man, that's excellent. Now, Monet, your wife, um, not only mom, she is a pharmacist, has her own career also. <laughs> and so you've had some crazy seasons, you know, uh, with everything going on in your lives. And, uh, you know, I know you 
you worked out a system. We'll talk a little bit about homeschooling a little bit, but you know, you, you were caring for the children, but you've had all these major changes taking place in your life, including coming to work here. Um, how's Monet fit into that whole picture? I mean, she's, she's a significant part of this family and how's this transition process work for her? Yeah, it was very surprising, actually, because I, you're saying we, we've been homeschooling, which which means that I I was the one staying home with my kids for the better part of ten years. Okay, uh, it's 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 weird for me to say that I've hadn't had a real job, quote unquote, a real job in <laughs> in ten years. So when the opportunity came for this position at the national office, I kind of joked about it. I said, "Hey, it looks like you know." Uh, the, it, this position, the media, digital media manager, opened up at at the national office. What do you th- what do you think about that? And she's like, "Well, you want to go for it?" I'm like, and I, I, and the minute she said that, I was surprised. like, huh? I was like, "Are you serious?" Really? Like, no. <laughs> yeah, she makes a very good living, you know, mm-hmm. doing doing what she does and being the main provider. But at the same time, it it, it took a, a toll on her, you know, doing doing that job, especially in this pandemic age yeah. you know it's it's very it's been very hard the duties at her job has been increasing and so has the stress level and so has uh just the physical toll it's been taken an emotion an emotional toll it had been taken on her too and so she had already been thinking about uh, ways to cut her hours back just just because she wanted less stress at work uh, and more time with the kids at home so when this position opened up she saw it as maybe a, a you know a god thing you know maybe god is you know this is this is our chance to maybe she can cut back her hours i could pick up a few hours here and so the home situation is definitely much better having her more at home and trust me randall i needed to get out <laughs> I didn't need you know i love my kids of course you all right? do. but but man i it's nice to like get out of the house and actually have a have, have the ability to to go into an office and close the door and not have a you know a bang 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 daddy 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 yeah but it's nice to have some quiet space during the week we're glad we could provide that for you so thank you thank you it's really nice no, I, I come here to relieve stress. That's really, yeah. Most people get stressed at work, not me. No, I love coming here. It's great. Well, you know, I, what you're telling me is you you've, you found more balance in your life with all of this That's stuff really that you're juggling between career and children and all of that, and both of you in your work and pastoring, and you've got so many things in your plate. But I want to explore with you just for a moment the decision you made regarding homeschooling that was huge because with six kids yeah. you for 10 years you were dad you were teacher and now you're trading that off you're still homeschooling kids six of them with everything else that fills your, your your life so what went into your decision to homeschool and how does this working now uh how are you dividing this up and keeping school open how do you make this how do you make this thing work <laughs> It's it's an ongoing it's an ongoing issue. It's the thing about homeschool is that we, me and my wife, are both you know public schooled. You know, we had no no experience. But when you know when our son was born, when when our first son was born, we that was when we made the choice for me to stay home because um, we didn't we didn't want to put him in daycare because that you know just cost just as much. Mm-hmm. We just felt okay. Well, one of us can just stay home with him, and so it ended up being me because again, you know, my wife. Uh, 
just made a lot more money than than my degree can make. And so, and so by the time he was school age, around five or five years old, we were came to to a a crossroads where it's like, okay, do we want to put him in school or do we want to homeschool? And really, um, what did it for us is that uh, there's a lady at our church who who has thirty years of teaching experience in in the public schools here in town. And when I asked her uh, about this dilemma that we're in, if you want to homeschool in public school, she just looked me straight in the eye and says, oh, you should homeschool 100%. Oh, <laughs> and this is a, this is a teacher, yes. 30 years, you know, yes. experience. I think it's because she has seen all of the things that are going on in the, mm-hmm. uh, in the system. Yes. Um, and, and she just says, you, you know, you don't want to get involved with that, you know, just, just, you know, take advantage of this time with your kids, you know, don't, and I love it because she, she's really assured me, you know, don't feel like you have to keep up with the kids in school, you know, each kid will, will develop on their own. And uh, yeah, it was just very, just a, just a vote of confidence to know that, okay, we, let's just do this. And I'm telling you, it was a struggle because my, my parents and, and you know, both our parents didn't understand like, you guys aren't taking your kids to school. You know, mm-hmm. it was very foreign to them, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so it was, that was a, a hurdle we had to get, get through, but we were, you know, we just knew that it was the best decision, you know, especially what we hear with what's going on in the schools. Let's just, let's just keep them home. And, and really the argument is this, you know, because we heard it all the time. Your kids are going to be weird, you know, just like the kids that I grew up with that I knew from, from being in home school. Your kids are going to be so like socially awkward, you know, and we hear that all the time, but it's like, I knew kids in high school growing up that were socially awkward mm-hmm. you know, in the public that's school. Right. So I don't think, I don't think that was, that's, that's the issue. You know, it really just depends on, how the parents raise them, right? And so we're just trying to raise our kids, not to be like social butterflies, but, you know, just to be aware. And and really, this is the picture we have of homeschooling. The way we raise our kids, our house, we we raise it, we see it as a a greenhouse, right? Where, what what does a greenhouse do? It's where you plant seeds. It's where you you water the plants before they're ready to be planted outside, you know, because if you plant them outside too soon, they're going to wither, they're going to be succumbed by the, the outside environment. And so we just see this as, as no, we, we're, we're just a greenhouse for our kids. We're trying to raise them up, plant seeds in them, and then water them, nurture them, then they'll go outside and be fruitful and prosperous. And so that's kind of the way we see it. What a great illustration. Wow, that's a great illustration. Uh, honestly, the other benefit to homeschooling is that it, it really works with um, our, our weird schedule, right? My wife works odd, odd schedule. She doesn't, we don't have normal weekends, especially as a pastor and her, she works weekends too. It wasn't like we were able to just like take trips on the, like a weekend trip because mm-hmm. we just didn't have that flexibility. But now, as but, but since we homeschool, you know, we can go to the zoo on a Monday or go, you know, go travel to out of town, you know, during, during the middle of the week, which is great because those are the the less busy times anyways. Mm -hmm. And so it really works out for, for us as far as like scheduling flexibility, but no, the main, the main benefit is definitely filtering what our kids learn and nurturing, you know, and, and not shielding them right from the outside world, but like giving them what they need to hear and being able to judge what they can handle and things like that before we throw them out into the real world. You're preparing them to live in the world 
without premature and prematurely allowing the world to have at them and potentially devour them is what you're telling me. So, yeah. And it's tough because the world is, man, it's, they're, they're, they're going for your kids. They, they, they say they're not, but like every, everything is, is very, very focused on getting the kids indoctrinated right. you know, in, in these yeah. ways of things. So we're just trying to make sure that no, no, no. Yeah. We, we, we know what they know and we, we know what we want to teach them. And, and, and so they'll be confident when, when we're able to let them fly. Free. Well, I tell you a big salute to you and Monet. Uh, I think you're just doing an outstanding job with this. You're a good model for other people and um, people want to know, can we pull this off? Well, uh, Chris and Monet are saying, yes, you can do it. And they're doing it with, with great devotion and intelligence. And I, I just have uh, the great admiration for you guys and how you're doing that. So, okay, here you are. You're right here in our office. You are serving as our digital media manager. Uh, I'm the guy who signs your check, so to speak. So I, I, I'm the one setting up, asking you the questions about this. Maybe not fair, but I think you're okay with me asking you, what do you find fulfilling about this job serving here? <laughs> it's okay. Whatever you say, it's okay. Oh, you're, really, it's okay. You're, you're a great boss, Rando. This is the best position <laughs> I've ever had. Okay, right. There's no complaints uh, from I'm me. I'm writing. Okay. <laughs> okay, I got <laughs> When's the next review again? <laughs> no, I really do. I really do love love working here. It's uh it's a very good. It, it does. It does fulfill that part of me that 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 creative side of me mm -hmm. that I I'd have to get out, you know. And so being able to to be able to you know produce the videos that we do, the media things that we do, it it, it'll, it gives this gives me the avenue to to do so. And really, that that was my 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 prayer for so long is a uh, is is to use these these gifts these these gifts that I've I've uh, um, developed for the way to, to use in the church for, for the church, for the kingdom to grow. And so um, I was doing some of that at our, at, you know, at life song at, at the church, but to do it on, on a national level, to be able to do that is, is, is a dream come true for me. It's really an answer to, to, to my prayers. And so it's been really good. You know, sometimes there are a, a few things that you assign where I'm like, okay, <laughs> when can I fit this yeah, in? Yeah, but, yeah. but no, it's, uh -huh. it's, it's, but it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good balance, you know. I'm 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 still trying to get my, my head around this place and the processes mm -hmm. of what's of what happens. But no, it's been it's been good. It's, it's definitely been fulfilling that that aspect of of my life. Hopefully, a little stretching for you too. And, uh, Very much stretching. Yes. Yeah, stretching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Chris, you know how this works. This uh, podcast, as we bring this to a close, that we call it Better yeah. Roads for a reason because we have all these roads, and we've talked about a lot of these roads you've been on in your life. And uh, but we'd like to discuss before we leave today some of the most important formative roads for Chris Kavan as he has traversed mm -hmm. through life from the earliest days up until today. Uh, some roads, like the one you said you weren't expecting, perhaps like to become a pastor, those roads it's kind of like God says, Here you go, start walking on it, and you've been doing that. But there are roads that you have choices about that are foundational, you know, maybe even pivotal to who you are and what you become today. And could you give us a little survey, a little review of Chris Gavon and some of the better roads you feel have been instrumental in helping you to become who you are today? There's a couple of, couple of, of events that come to mind when I think of uh, better roads. You know, the first one obviously being being married to my wife 
if I had the time to, to talk about that story, that's another story that that is a miracle in itself. Um, long story short, you know, my, my wife and I met at Lifesong Church, and she was very much like a sister to me. That's the box I put her in, right? Uh, over a course of time, of course, of just spending time with her, it, was, it definitely was God. God definitely opened my eyes to see her as something more, you know, that uh, uh, something of, of, of a life partner. And so uh, that's been one of the best decisions that I ever made was, was finding my wife and, 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 and living this life with her. But really the, 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 the event, I guess, that really comes to mind was about 11 years ago. I had just graduated from uh, North Central University in Minneapolis. And uh, me, and my, me and my wife, we were married by that time, set on planting roots in Minnesota. You know, we, we had, uh, she had a job, good job there. I had a good job there. We, had, we were there with, with a church plant. So we were part of a, a thriving ministry. We had a lot of friends that we made up there, a lot of good spiritual friends. And so we thought in our heads that we would stay in Minnesota. We, we were even looking at homes up there. To, to really plant roots. And then I remember Father's Day 2011, you know, my dad, my parents came up to visit us to, to celebrate Father's Day. Uh, I, you know, I just become a father at that time. And I remember my dad took me out to the, to the car, uh, well, he just bought a new car. And so he just showed me his car and we sat there for a while. And he asked me, when are you guys coming, coming back? <laughs> you, know, you know, when are you guys gonna move back to Iowa? Mm-hmm. I, I told him the same thing. I said, dad, you know, we, I don't think we're going to move, you know, we're going to live here. You know, we have so many, so many things going on, so many things happening, you know, and uh, that's, that's the answer I gave. And he said, all right, well, just think about it. You know, we could use you at home, not knowing that uh, a month later, he'd, he'd be gone. He passed away. Really? Uh, yeah. He passed away a uh, heart attack um, July 1st. And so he passed away and that was the most uh, devastating thing, yes. you know, that could happen. And so, and so really the, the conversation with my wife and I was, was, well, now what, you know, like, do we, do we want to stay here or sh- should we move back and close with the family and, you know, help my mom out? And so that's that's kind of when we made made the decision and say yeah let's let's just go back home let let's 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 drop what we have going on here and and uh just just move back home close to the family and so we spent you know we we moved back to Des Moines uh the fall of 2011 and uh you know and, and just that decision really has has led up to where I am now honestly I, I could say that it was really that decision that made me be where I'm at you know I, I would never be the pastor of this church if if that event mm-hmm. didn't happen if we didn't make that choice you know and I always say this too it's like man I, I always ask that's I, I want to you know when I get to heaven and, and I'm able to ask God a question my question would be you know, was that part of your plan, God? Like, did you really take my dad just so that I can come back home? You know, and that maybe that's something that I think, you know, my, my, my dad was, was a believer. And so I know, whole, you know, I, I'm, I'm assured that where he's at, you know, he, he's with the, with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I, so I'm at peace with that. 
but I think God was, you know, maybe using that to get me home, you know, using that to get me to where I need to be, not where I wanted to be, but where he, he needed me to be. And so um, that's where I feel like, okay, uh, this is all by coincidence. This is all, but this is, you know, for me to have this role here at the office, have the role here at church, these things aren't just accidents, right? These aren't just coincidence. This is, this has been orchestrated by God. And so, um, so I'm just glad that I am walking this path and took that, that road. Um, cause honestly, we would probably never have six kids if we were in Minnesota, you know, the fact uh-huh. that, you know, we're home closer to family, you know, we definitely took advantage of free babysitting and uh, <laughs> took advantage of, of grandparents and family help. And so mm-hmm. it just made it easier for us to have more kids just because it was so, you know. Yes. Yes. You look back in these things and you marvel how God has worked through them. And, you know, sometimes you're saying about, you know, the, the connection with your dad and, and, you know, uh, how does that all fit in? And obviously it's a, an influencing factor. I've come to realize many times in life that sometimes God doesn't always directly orchestrate an event, but he strategically and redemptively works through it. That's right. God is always redemptively working. I've I've come to this conclusion also that in life, uh, in, in, in God's economy, nothing goes to waste. Nothing goes to waste. Mm -hmm. God redemptively moves through every chapter. So, uh, and for you, you could have stayed in Minnesota because you even say Minnesota like a Minnesotan, I noticed that a right? little bit of that. Yeah, man. Right? Yeah, so you just still have to work that out of your system, I guess. All right. But. All right. Well, hey, I was born and raised in Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. All right. I, don't, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> well, Chris, it's been a delight talking with you. I uh, love you, Monet, your family. And uh, thank you for being a part today of this Better Roads podcast. Thank you so much, Randall. And we thank you, our listeners, for being with us. And we invite you to join us next time. You have been listening to Better Roads with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Join us next time as we explore how God is part of another person's journey.